the workbench where we take the time and make the space to build and create in our lives. I'm your host, Christina Awe, and I'm a writer, coach, and human resources professional with a deep interest in helping you find clarity, overcome obstacles, plan, and take action on your big dreams and goals. By doing this and sharing the journey, we build and create, and we inspire others to do the same. So let's get to it. Welcome back to season three of the podcast. I've been busy at my own workbench over the past several months, building a weekly newsletter and recording new podcast episodes, and I'm really happy to be back at this work. I love the conversations, the production work, the putting together of content that is intended to be useful to others as they embark on their own projects and important work. The newsletter is called the Wednesday Workbench. Each issue includes a short essay and a variety of bite-sized morsels of ideas, inspiration, and fun to support you on your creative endeavors. This idea has been germinating for quite some time, and it took a recent life change for me to find the mental bandwidth to bring it to fruition. Our son Alex finished high school in January. He was able to complete his courses early, and this opened up some space in my brain to focus on this product. This is the essence of what I'm creating with the workbench in all of its forms. Paying attention not only to the ideas we want to pursue, but the unseen elements of our lives that must be accounted for while we build and create. The two big lessons that I have to keep learning are these. Number one, staying patient and trusting my process. And number two, managing my relationship with time. I do battle with these two lessons constantly And I'm sharing this because there are so many others who might be feeling the same. I never get done as much as I want to do or aspire to do. And if I stay patient and focused and trust my process, the most important things do get done. What are the lessons you keep learning and what's on your workbench these days? I'd love to hear more, so get in touch and share your thoughts. Your stories and experience can be of great value to the workbench community. So if you have something you want to share, email me at kau at christinaaw.com. Like I said, there are many great podcast episodes in production, and today's episode is with my friend Carl Bimshaw. Back in November, Carl and I fit in an early morning pre-work interview. We've been friends for several years now, and we both share a deep interest in both leadership and writing. In our conversation, we talk about entrepreneurship, creativity, some big lessons, and what success looks like. I hope you enjoy this conversation. And before we jump into it, I'm going to give you a little bit of background on Carl. Here's his bio. Boston-bred and California-chilled, Carl Bimshaw is a leadership consultant, executive coach, podcast host, and author. Since 2009, he has collaborated with individual entrepreneurs executives, and their companies to improve relationships, strengthen essential leadership skills with his leadership guidance system, accountability partnering, and customized development programs that grow employees and build effective teams. A writer of fiction and nonfiction, he has a line of business books that feature valuable advice on how to thrive in today's workplace. In both his writing and his coaching, he looks to help others uncover their hidden potential. He's earned an MS in Executive Leadership from the University of San Diego, 
a BA in Mass Communications from Emerson College, and has held several operational and sales management positions in public and private corporations. To see his body of work and offerings, visit his website, which is www.learnfromcarl.com. That's learnfromcarl.com. One more time, it's www.learnfromcarl.com. And again, Carl with a K. There really is truly something for everyone here. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Good. How have you been? Pretty good. Cool. Well, thanks for doing this today. Yeah. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. Um, hold on. I'm just situating. All right. That's a little bit better. All right. Um, I am already recording. And Carl, it's great to see you. Happy Wednesday. Cheers Thank with you. the coffee to you. Cheers. Nice to be here. Nice to see you again. I know it's been a while since we've talked. And um, yeah, I, I wanted to have you on the show because, you know, you've been an entrepreneur for years. Um, you're a leadership consultant. You're an author. You're a podcaster yourself. You're a family man. And, you know, I'm continually inspired by the work that you're doing and, and just thought it would be really beneficial for people who listen to the workbench to hear a little bit more about your story and to talk, you know, a little bit about your own journey. So I'll probably take us in multiple different directions today. We'll see how the conversation and questions go. And um, I guess, you know, I want to share with the audience, too, that we, we met several years ago through our master's program through USD in San Diego. And you were really one of the key people who kind of helped me along in my own journey um, as I was resorting out my career options and what I wanted to do, you know, in this second half of my life. Mm -hmm. And you became an accountability partner for me for the course of maybe one to two months. And, and I just, I wanted to say thanks and also to just talk a little bit about the accountability partnering process because that was, that was super helpful for me at that time. So tell me how you kind of fell into learning about that and then implementing that. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. And, and I still remember the cookies you made as well. So those were good. Did I make cookies? <laughs> I think you made some some tea cookies or something like that. So, oh right, uh, <laughs> cool. I'm glad I did that. <laughs> so 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 yes, we have to keep the relationship going. Um, so, <laughs> so so like how I got into accountability partnering, or yeah, like how did that concept uh, cross your radar, and then and then how did you decide to kind of implement that into what you do as in your own um, business endeavors? So. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't really think of accountability partnering per se, uh, but I do break down my business into like three component parts. It's the accountability partner, there's coaching for ongoing stuff, and then there's consulting more for like businesses and that type of thing. So there's like the three parts of the business. I think the accountability partnering came just because I was a very involved manager the first time I became a manager and that's just all I've known is sort of holding people accountable and helping them achieve their goals and me believing them when they say hey this is important and so the questions I would ask is like hey I thought this was important to you um, so uh, accountability has always been I think a part of my certainly professional career I've, I've appreciated getting it from people when you have accountability, you're more on track. You get you get things done when you have to answer for somebody, yeah, uh, or to somebody. 
So, um, and then I think from a, from a business standpoint, um, that became easier for people, although I think I've told you before, and it's interesting, it's still true. It, it falls under gender lines. Uh, men, in my experience, hate the term accountability partner uh, when it's something I offer and women love it. Interesting. Why do you so, think that is? Um, you know, it, it's like asking for directions when you're driving. <laughs> you know, I think it's, <laughs> I think, I think it's very similar. It's sort of like, look, I, 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 you know, am master of my domain. I don't need help. I can figure this out. Um, can you present it? And do you ever present it in a different? Um, do you wrap it in different language? I, I do. It depends on how badly I want to work with the person. Like if I if I don't want to work with <laughs> with the dude, right? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, it sounds like you could use an accountability partner. No, that's not it at all. You don't get me. You know, <laughs> I'm like, okay, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'll change the language around. Um, but generally, uh, you know, accountability partner is what most people get and understand, and so. That's in many ways, uh, as far as business goes, like my entry point, because it's, it's very easy for me. It's like I just listen to people and they tell me what they uh, want to achieve and kind of what their guidelines are, and then I hold them to it. And it's not particularly difficult, except unless you're the person doing it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah, we all resist that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah, but it also helps. I mean, that's why people work out together so that they don't slack. Right. Yeah. 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 It's good to have, you know, I think most people want somebody to, it's, it's either to uh, validate what they're thinking and like, Hey, I just, uh, you know, I used to call it a sanity check where it's just like, Hey, you know, I'm not off base thinking this way, am I? And then you have somebody who just reassures you um, or, or just somebody to bounce ideas off of. And then, or, you know, you're completely uh, clueless. Like, I don't know whether to do A, B or C and accountability partner can kind of say, well, let's get rid of C because that didn't make any sense. So would you prefer A or B? Like, oh, I don't know. Like, well, pick one. Well, if I had to pick one, it'd be B. Okay. All right. Let's do B. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. I mean, you did that with me with one of the, one of my goals that I was working on. And after several weeks, it became clear that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. Yeah. It wasn't really going to serve me. So that, that was, uh, I think from a clarity standpoint, it can be very helpful. Yeah. So. And I enjoy it, so that helps too. Yeah. All right, <laughs> shifting gears a little bit, tell us a fact about yourself that might surprise the people in your close inner circle or something oh. interesting um, that you'd like to share. Well, close inner circle may know this, but they probably forget. I have a stack of headshots from my acting days. <sighs> right. <laughs> tell us more. So, No, I don't want to. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I moved out to California from, from Boston, and uh, one of the things you have to do is become an actor when you come from the East Coast to the West Coast. <laughs> Prerequisite. So, yeah, so, so, uh, so I had a little stint on that. It was just extra work mostly, but uh, a couple shows and recognizable person in the background, office manager A and that kind of thing. So That sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, it was okay. My my casting agent said I had such a, a boyish face. She was going to have uh, trouble casting me for adult roles <laughs> when I was like what twenty three, twenty four. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, but uh, no, I was I was uh, so that was so that there's that. I got that phase done. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. So, and you did some work in college with um, related to that. I think right. I think am I recalling this correctly? Were you were you in radio or television? Um, in television. television. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I went to, uh, so my undergraduate work, I went to Emerson College in Boston with a major in television production, mm-hmm. minor in creative writing. 
So yeah, so I did a lot uh, at college in, with television and story writing, and and I generally did. I, I wasn't. Uh, I generally did the the stories as opposed to the news. As far so you've as, been in a creative uh, field since since a very young age. Yeah, yeah, and I and I uh, like both. It's either where I don't fit into either, or uh, it's the perfect anecdote on either antidote to mm-hmm. either because I I. Uh, I love the creative stuff, but I also love a good, you know, problem to solve or, you know, put on a tie and go into the boardroom and figure this thing out. And then also, I was going to be in a hat and sweats today because this is like my writing week, but I Uh I, I put a shirt on for you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, so so I kind of go yin and yang with the highly creative and highly logical. So it's Mm -hmm. back and forth on that. Do you find that your creative mind helps you in your entrepreneurial roles? Um, so the quick answer is yes, but it also probably doesn't because the creative mind is just like, and I could do this and I could do this and I could do this and I could do this. And, and from an entrepreneurial standpoint, and thank you for that, but I don't rest necessarily consider myself an entrepreneur because I, I, for me, an entrepreneur is coming up with like several businesses and you know, opening and closing several businesses and things like that. Whereas I've been running this one for, for a while, but I continue to have other ideas and shift off into other areas. So I, I in a corporation, they call it intrapreneur, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, so, so I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably my own intrapreneur, mm-hmm. my own company where I, I will try these other ideas. And so, yes, the creativity causes you to, to think about those ideas, but then you really need the logic to say, no, that one's, that one's not a good one. Let's not pursue that yeah. or, or, or get to that answer sooner. Um, and so sometimes that doesn't happen for me. <laughs> Do you, does that impact? It sounds to me what I'm hearing too, is that it could impact your focus if you're going in one direction, but you're having a lot of ideas that can pull away from, from, you know, strongly pursuing the thing that you, sh- that you've decided to pursue. Right. Uh, so yes, absolutely. And it's, it's kind of, uh, there's probably guilt associated with it too. So any, any, any working mom, I think feels it right. Like, Oh, I'd like, uh, I want, I'd rather be home with the kids. Oh, I'd rather be at work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so when you're pursuing one, you'd rather be doing the other. And so if you have too many uh, goals or too many ideas, it's, you know, if, oh, if I want to, even with the, say the, the podcasting and the business and the writing it's like, Oh, I really should record a podcast today or get going on that. Mm, yeah, but I don't want to. I'd rather work on this. And so, yeah, you just, you have to focus and keep, limit limit your choices is the best advice that I've come across as far as that goes. Because, yeah. yeah it, it, I think you'll always, gonna, there's always going to be distractions. And so don't contribute to that by having thousands of ideas. <laughs> That's such a hard <laughs> thing. I don't know. I struggle <laughs> with that too. And what I've, what I've come up with for myself, and this is, this is kind of, this is part of the essence of one of, one of the pieces of the workbench that I'm really exploring is number one, guilt. That's come up a couple times recently in conversations I've had. And then two, having multiple projects that you work on and knowing that if you just focus on one, you can move it forward faster. But for me and for for probably for you and other people who do writing or these other creative endeavors, I, I need to have a couple things going on because I need to step away from some of the writing to let it mm-hmm. process so that I can go back to it and then, and then move it forward. Sure. And so I've, I've 
gotten a little bit less hung up on the guilt when I'm mm -hmm. truly not slacking. Now, when I'm when I'm making excuses and <laughs> binge watching Netflix <laughs> because I, you know, feeling afraid of of the next step or uncertain, then I know that I, I have to call BS on myself. But that's different than letting your brain do the work it needs to do in the in the interim so i don't know it's just an interesting set of challenges when you're creating something yeah i mean you you definitely need to build in time for for the mind to work and and percolate uh, now, now to me i usually i i think that that's what sleep is for mm. <laughs> so, um but um you know there's this book that i'm sort of reading um but uh the idea is that really you can only do five good sized projects at any time, mm -hmm. um, you know, over, let's say, well, at any point, like, so you, you take your week and figure out what are you going to fit in? There's really only five key projects and then you have all these tasks fit in and all that. So I feel like, although I don't do it currently, uh, if you time block and you say, okay, here's these major projects that I'm working in and you put them in just like back to Stephen Covey and putting the most important big stones into the barrel first and then the yeah. pebbles. So if you, if you put in the big projects that you want to do, okay, I've got X number of time I want to devote to creating the podcast research and interviews and recording and editing. There's that I've got business. I've got to do, I've got sleep. That's got to get put in there. I want a little R and R that goes in there and you schedule all that in. Some people, particularly highly creative people don't like that because now they feel like they're being dictated, but it's very, freeing it's it's it, i would say the thrill of achieving something is much higher than the thrill of uh serendipity mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you know where where if i know i have these five things to do and i complete those five things i feel pretty good about it yeah whereas if you wake up I'm like well i got a lot to do today i wonder let's see how it works out yeah yeah I think, you know, in some of the reading I'm doing, and maybe you too, that's what they say about people who are super creative is that they're, it's not by accident. You don't just get struck by lightning with a great idea. It's because you're at the table working day after day after day and, and fitting things together and discarding them. And, and I think that's, a, you know, that myth of divine inspiration is, is just that. It's a myth. Yeah, I was exactly going to go that way. I, I think we're, we tend to glamorize creativity because it's more fun and it feels like it, but creativity is a, is a long slog. It's a long and, slog, and, yeah. And, and it's all about discipline mm -hmm. if, if you want results. If, if, if you're just – now, there's creativity, you know, like say on the job site or something like that, but that creativity comes from probably reading other sources or, or watching, you know, television programs or some other things that just kind of you have different frames of reference to draw on. So like, you know, everybody's thinking this way, but you're thinking a little bit wider and now you're the creative one because you're coming up with an idea that nobody else thought about. It's just because you're letting more inputs into your life. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, creativity as well. But the creativity as a, as a career or creativity is like, you know, I want to write the book or, or that kind of stuff. Well, it just doesn't happen like over a weekend. I mean, you can, but it's just like, it's rare. It's not, I think it's not when the mood strikes. Creativity yeah. as a career is not when the mood strikes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. There oh, you are. Back? There you are. Yep. Right. Here I am. Yep. Uh, <laughs> My internet connection's unstable. That's all right. <laughs>
Big surprise. Big surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's on a Zoom call at the same time. Yeah, for sure. And my son's in the next room, you know, in class right now, in theory anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Although, you know, it's cool. They they are calling when he didn't show up to one class the other day and and we got a call. So they are keeping track. So (laughs) good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So how did you get to where you are now? Can you give us you know, somewhat brief version of how you um, built the business that you've built and how how it's kind of evolved? Um, yeah, a brief. No, I can't do it briefly. So, <laughs> um, so uh, let's see, I, I would say it this way. I've always been interested in, in leadership. Um, I remember my dad had tapes from like Earl Nightingale and, and uh, was mostly Earl Nightingale, but there was some other, other people too, Dennis Waitley and some others cassette tapes, like the big, the big cassette book that had like six to eight or 10 tapes in it yep. type of thing. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I was probably after college when I came across those, but I, I devoured them. I think when I had a car that had the tape player in it. And so I would do, you know, uh, mobile university for, quite a while commuting to work and that kind of thing. And I worked at, uh, at Xerox, which taught a lot of good quality principles and things like that. And I had great opportunities to, to use what I was learning on these tapes. And so I got on the management track there and that was, uh, learned a lot and it was fun, uh, for a lot. And then there was some horrible experiences there with some lousy, uh, management. Mm-hmm. Some people were lousy and clashes that I had. And so around that time, I, I joined MSCL, uh, the program at USD. It was in cohort three way back in the day. Some early days, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I got involved with that, um, and that helped me survive uh, a very lousy manager that I had in the final year at Xerox. <laughs> and then I moved on, and then one of my uh, classmates had his own business and said, hey, have you ever thought about doing sales? I was like, nope, never thought about that at all. Let's try it. And so uh, I worked with uh, with him for a while as uh, director of uh, business development, which was nice and learning. It was completely different because I was an operations guy. And then, you know, the next day, I'm, as they say, the sales puke. And uh, boy, that was just a, a wake-up call of how you're treated. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've not been in that role, so I don't know what that means yeah. exactly. Uh, that could be a whole other podcast, but just uh, you th- what you think of salespeople, right? And just, you know, most people will let salespeople know what they think of them. Whereas mm-hmm. like what you think of an operations person, you never tell an operations person, right? <laughs> so, so salespeople get everything unfiltered. Um, so that uh, mostly I did a lot of that at Xerox too, but so this was helpful. And then I was managing sales uh, guys and, and I actually enjoyed that a lot. In fact, uh, being a sales manager, I, I actually like quite a bit. Um, and I like managing the egos and the expectations. And that's probably where a lot of the accountability came in too, because, because a, a sales rep will like to talk about the future and how optimistic they are. And they talk to this person and this is happening. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not, let's get realistic here. And they got mad, but they made money with me. So, um, so that was fun. And then, and then it was 2008. So things started happening back in 2008, not as dramatic as 2020 necessarily, right? right. But there were economic crashes and things like that. So 
it was time to start my own business. <laughs> yeah. So, it was significant. So, I mean, we we yeah. this year's been crazy, right? But that yeah. was a really tough time for so many people too. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was a good opportunity for me to, you know, I had always wanted to do something on my own. It was uh, some some itch to ro- to own my own company and do my own thing. And so that was like not great timing, but good timing just because a lot of things were happening. And I'm like, hey, let's do it. And that, um, so that's how it started. That was in 2008 that I, 2009 really, that I started the, the company. And at first it was more like me kind of being an executive assistant for people, like just helping people with their PowerPoints or writing speeches or, you know, just doing stuff. It was kind of like I was a local fiver guy. Mm-hmm. You just call on me. Um, and that was okay, but I wasn't really enjoying that. And, and I had a blog at the time that I was putting out there with all sorts of like leadership concepts and stuff like that. And somebody had called on me and said, Hey, could you, could you help me with something? I trying to make some decisions. I was like, yeah, this sounds like a potential client. <laughs> you know? That's great. And, yeah. and, and so that was a first client and she still refers people to me, which is great. Um, so it kind of from there went and it just grew. And then that's where all the entrepreneurial stuff kind of comes in. Like, okay, what types of products do I want to offer from a leadership standpoint? Am I going for companies? Who's your ideal client? And just all the things that, you know, they, they teach you in an MBA school, like this, don't start a business unless you do all this stuff. Um, or you could be like me and just start a business and figure it out. <laughs> as you, There's more than one way. As, as you go along, right? <laughs> so, you know, so then through that, it's just all like, who's your ideal client? And what are you offering? And, you know, what's your geography? And all that kind of stuff that I hadn't really given deep thought to before I plunged in. And um, I haven't Any really... Any regrets on that? Or would you do it the same way over again? Because um, I have some thoughts on that. Um, some hybrid, I don't know that I would do it the same way over again, but the whole, uh, so I like planning. I like a good plan. So it's not like I don't like, uh, plans, but we also know like the whole point of a plan is the actual planning because the planets, because the plan itself is useless. Right. So, so, um, so I, so I don't get excited about planning businesses, like, okay, so here are all the different, you know, who's your client? What's your marketplace? Give me the demographics. Give me the psychographics. You know, that's kind of interesting. And then you start doing all these research and all these, you know, so you have this big business proposal so you can go get some money from the bank or somebody else. Uh, that kind of work irritates me. Like that is, in my mind, for me, like the least creative stuff. Right. And so, so I don't enjoy that. Now, if you have done all that, boy, you're pretty clear on what you're after. And, and to get to that point would be probably nice earlier in my right. career. That makes sense. But, but the, um, partly the, partly the brand too, and the stuff I, I like the people who kind of like are scrappy and are fighting for things and, uh, maybe are underdogs and so that maybe they didn't do everything right um, or they're trying to do things right, but things are against them, you know, the world's against them type of thing. Those are kind of my, I, I get the most joy working with those types of people or that yeah. mindset. So then I kind of feel better about like, Oh, I don't have, you know, my 300 page proposal. <laughs> yeah. What are your, what are your th- No, uh, I'm just thinking about that. I think that's, I, you know, it's, it's shifting my thinking a little bit because I'm, I am similar in that I like to plan, but then once I make the plan, I pretty much don't adhere to it. 
a lot of times like it'll guide right. me but um and same with recipes like it is hard for me to really follow a recipe and whether i'm baking or cooking and i know that certain things need a little bit more specificity than others right i i have trouble with that for some reason so <laughs> um at the same point i at the same time i feel like getting clear is essential and you can waste a lot of time if you don't spend time on the front end getting clear. And at the same time, there's so many things you don't know when you're starting a business that some of it's BS. Like you can put a projection down, but how the heck are you actually going to know right. how things are going to play out? So, so I have mixed feelings about that and um, kind of work in both spheres. I, I, clarity, I think, is is the most crucial part. Cause if you're not clear, you're not confident. And right. if you're not confident, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. So e even if, and I think, I do think it's better to like, if you have a plan or some idea and then, and then 10 exit or a hundred exit and now, and now look at it and see if that scares you or not, or if that makes you like, Oh yeah, I'm going to make a million dollars this month. Um, you know, depending upon where you are, you're probably not going to. Right. Um, but, how are you going to act and behave if that's really what you're going to do is going to be different than if you're just like, Oof, you know, I got bills. I don't know if I can make it, you, yeah. you know? And so yeah. what kind of clients you bring on and all that kind of stuff. So you, you've got to be clear. I think like that's the, the first part and you can always change it, you know? Yeah. And clarity also comes through do, working through some of the process at times. So I think from a, from a, how can this help people starting their own thing? Um, I guess that would be a question I'd be interested in hearing your answer to. So if you're starting a new endeavor, how do you manage those, you know, chicken or the egg syndrome on that? Because it it's taken me years to get clear on even how to describe what I'm doing to others, even though I can see it clearly in my, my head. And I think that's true for a lot of people who are, are either – circling around a goal that they've been putting off for a while and, and really want to achieve or starting a new business or doing any of the things that shake up the status quo. So to me, if I understand you correctly, to me, to me, the first question is like, what's, what's your picture of success? What mm -hmm. does success look like? So, mm -hmm. so, you know, if you're going to start a project, whether it be like, Hey, I want to write this book or I want to, you know, change the world. Um, what does it look like if, if you succeeded? Right. And so then that's where your clarity comes from. Like, well, if I do this, you know, there's all sorts of tools you can use. I mean, the five whys is great. Like, okay, why do you want, you know, let's say the book, why do you want the book written? Well, because, you know, then I'll feel accomplished. Well, why do you want to feel accomplished? Because I got, you know, I want to see my name on the bestseller list or I want it on Amazon or, you know, whatever. And you keep digging down to those whys and then you're very clear on your, maybe not purpose, but certainly either your motivation or your inspiration behind something. And that's what's going to carry you when you don't know anything else that's going on, right? So if you can remember, uh, this is what success looks like. This is what I want to do. It also helps guide you. Right? North Star, yeah. 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 Yep. And then, you know, and then, and then I'd back in, the other things like, you know, it's, it's mission, vision, purpose, values, all of that stuff. So sort of like, you know, what are your values that are going to direct you in this direction? That's, and that's how you keep the guardrails on where you're going and keeps yeah. you from 
bringing on something else like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to bake oatmeal cookies today. And suddenly you're making a roast beef dinner. You know, it's like, well, <laughs> that would so be me. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what, what happened, you know? And, and so some, some, some fail switch didn't go off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? You so know, you, I say that would be me, but that's actually not exactly true. I think, um, it could be me <laughs> on a Saturday, maybe. Um, I was going to go somewhere with that, but I guess, I guess I'd be interested in talking a little bit about how you've navigated some obstacles or challenges in, in your work um, and what inner work you've had to do to kind of, you know, so, so not just a bump in the road, like, you know, the printer didn't get my cards back on time, so I couldn't give them to the client. Bigger, bigger obstacles and then something that required some retooling of your own thinking. Um, so that, that one's, so we'll get into my psychology a little bit. That one's a little difficult for me. I'll answer it, but I'll tell you why it's difficult. Um, because usually... Once an obst- once I get past an obstacle, it's no longer an obstacle, so I no longer think about it, right? right? And mm-hmm. so then my mus- muscle memory on it is gone too, mm-hmm. perhaps. I mean, maybe, you know, hey, I'm not going to have that situation again. So you learn something, but I, I don't dwell and I don't, I'll reflect a little bit, but not too much, which, so then I don't necessarily celebrate either. But like, mm. so once I, once I, once, so, so I may have been through you know, some horrible obstacle that was insurmountable. I couldn't tell you what it is because I don't think about it you anymore. You just let it's, it, it's, it's just gone. It's over, it's, it's, it's gone. It's water off the duck's back in a way, mm-hmm. um, partly. Um, but I would say like there's, uh, and I also don't, um, I don't like obstacles. I mean, who does, right? But, <laughs> but uh, so the idea, because sometimes I think when you, when people, talk about obstacles there's a little bit of the you get different types of people you get those who woe is me and everything's an obstacle right the whole world's against them and like look at this and i've done this and i've done this and it's it's very close to to victimhood kind of thing um and then you've got others who wear it as like a badge of honor like oh and i did this and i did this and i did that and then that comes across a little kind of arrogant in a way so so i have um issue with (laughs) with talking about obstacles, partly, and even though like an obstacle is almost always going to make you stronger. um, I tend to think of obstacle as a, it's an impediment, right? So I'm like, ugh, you know, and so I have my own nonsense about that, but I've been doing this enough years and enough people ask me like, Hey, what's your obstacles that I do have answers (laughs) to it now. Yeah. Um, for me, it's kind. Of, I, I've thought about it, so I've reflected on what have my problems been and how have I gotten over them. And th- so it's not really any one specific um, attitude or something like that that I've come across. But it's it's more like um, I'm thinking about. It, it's like it's a it's a list of D's that I have, right? So I'd say uh, dyslexia, dysthymia, divorce, and death. Mm, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So those are those have been like some fairly big obstacles that have changed my trajectory and, mm-hmm. and direction that I've gone. I've got very minor dyslexia. Uh, so my P's and B's get mixed up and the D's and the, well, it doesn't matter any letter. Right. So, and that it's really by and large, not a big deal. Um, 
sometimes with reading, I like kind of like it, it's got to really be captivating for me to sit down and read it. So yeah, books can take a long time. Not that it's difficult, but just like, uh, I'm not interested. You know, yeah. Like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a barrier. And, yeah. And so, you know, it's really doesn't interfere with me at all unless I were to choose some type of career that involved writing. Whoops. Oh. So, <laughs> so, so, you know, early on there's that hell of, you know, putting together a blog and thinking pretty hard about it. And this is like in 2003 or something like that. And, and you have these two things, either nobody's looking at it or the people who are looking at it are telling you everything that you've done wrong, what words you've spelt wrong, what letters you've missed, all of that kind of thing. So that took a, a long time to kind of get over the uh, trolling and also the permission of like, yeah, this is okay. And I've got books published that have problems with it. And, you know, the grammar, grammar is probably okay, but like there's a word misspelled and it, it's never a word. Like it's an obvious word. It's a word that now it changes into a whole other word. And so that sentence has a whole new meaning. Mm, right. <laughs> so that, that can be a problem without a good proofreader or things like that. So that's, that's an obstacle that I, kind of regularly face, but I've also kind of put in the background, like, hey, it is what it is, we move on. Mm -hmm. So I don't rest on it. The dysthymia uh, is, although people argue it's not quite this, but it's essentially a very, very low level depression, but constant. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not often that I have euphoria and, and have this big celebration over something that I've, I've accomplished or something that's gone on. Um, and it's, it's more like just head fog. And so that can get in the way mm. um, of things. Uh, I don't use a long, when I was going through other stuff, I did take some medicine for potential depression and all that. And who knows if it worked or not. I, it it could have worked great. Don't know. But just the on and off ramp to it was something like, I just don't ever want to do that again. Yeah. So, but like talk therapy and that kind of thing helps, which is why clients is like the best thing for me. Because when I'm talking to clients about their problems, I feel great. So, yeah you're putting so, the, putting skills to use though and i think feeling you know i feel i think feeling of use is important to people right and, and so i so it's not something um you know i've started talking about it just because it helps other people but it's also like so i i get uh depression and yeah there are some times where it's like ooh, this is this is kind of heavy um but so so it's an obstacle it's clearly an obstacle because I, I would be a different place if it wasn't there but by the same token it's something that I manage the other one would be a divorce I was married for you know 24 years and then got divorced and that kind of threw the world into a whole different direction um, and I, I pretty much had the kids full-time for a while there mm -hmm. and and so that made me appreciate a lot of things, but also like, Oh, how am I going to handle this? Uh, I got a parenting coach and I reached out to a lot of people. So this accountability partners, coaches, all sorts yeah, of stuff support. just to kind of keep me on track. Yeah. So I learned that. And then my business, when I started my business uh, for the first seven years, there was like one major death in my family every year. Oh, that's tough. Uh, that was like, you know, I lost my sister. I lost a aunt. I lost my stepmother I lost my mother I lost my grandmother you know like one year after another and then the health issues with my dad and all sorts of stuff and it's like those are obstacles just hits with your your mental space yeah. and things you want to do and and then like so partly I just uh for all of them what helps is talking mm -hmm. um like the best thing for me is is uh talking with other people 
sometimes about the topic or sometimes just talk, interact with other yeah. people, get, get, get away from the screen or whatever. Um, and then, um, yeah, so I, so those, ob- so in terms of them all being obstacles, they're all, you know, kind of, kind of big things. And, and there are times, you know, when they all hit at once, <laughs> you know, yeah. or, or can all hit at once. And that, that, that's, uh, you know, that's a rough period, but I do find, um, getting it out, you know, talking about it or, or journaling. I mean, I, I offer a journal, uh, which works, you know, it's one of those things, self-validating thing and a little pompous perhaps, but sometimes I just pick up one of my own books or my own tools and I use that and then I feel better. Well, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, first of all, like those things are, are real and hard and, and part of life and deserve attention. And so I think, you know, I think often our culture, we want to, we want to keep moving forward. So we sweep it under the rug or, or put it away for a little while. But ultimately, I believe that we eventually have to come to terms with these things that are in our lives that require attention and, and are part of living. So, you know, it sounds like you've done some good amount of thinking on how how to navigate those in, in the way that makes sense for you, which, which is what we all have to do. And that takes time and it takes energy and it'll take you away from some of the things that you want to do in the moment, which can be frustrating. Um, so I think that is something that I didn't know when I was younger and I would come up against wanting to not be impacted by certain events and thinking I could just make it that way, which is, was not, which is not true. Right. So, um, in terms of, and, and then I think, you know, you alluded to something about your writing and and your books that from a tool standpoint, like a personal tool standpoint where you just, you accept sounds to me, this is what I'm hearing. Maybe this is my bias that you're accept accepting that things are imperfect um, and that does not mean that they don't still have high level of quality. And I think we're told often that perfection is the goal. And if you don't achieve it, it's crap. That's not true. So I just wanted to call that out yeah. because I just, um, I think there are these things that work in our minds that prevent us from seeing clearly, but it sounds like you've done some of that work to see more clearly and, and continue to move forward. Yeah. And a lot of it is about control too. And just realizing like, um, not everything is within your control. And so don't worry about it or, or, you know, you did what you could and now move on. What's the next thing? Yeah. Um, and and so so yeah, like uh, I I've definitely let go. I mean I love perfection, but I'm like nah, you know let, that's too draining. That's yeah. <laughs> and I think we live like in the best of times because like nothing is really written in stone. Um, you know we can always we can redo it, we can update it. You know if it's important enough. You know? Right. I mean I'm not talking about surgeons here. I'm talking about you know most because <laughs> yeah, a few patients should be pretty close to perfect, but most of us. Um, there's more point. wiggle room for what we do. We, we, we have to be a far more forgiving uh, and keep, keep the intent in mind and, and, you know, make amends or fix things or, or, you know, do what you can, but it doesn't, you know, perfect is, as they say, often the enemy of good. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, what are you working on right now or what's your next big project? So, you know, I constantly working on the, on the business and growing that, but it, it's kind of funny. Um, because this time of year, you know, November, December, really the last quarter of the year, you would think would be time when, when people are planning for the next year, want to work with a, a coach or, you know, hey, I want to talk with you about my business or something like that. And historically, this has been my slowest part of the year. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I fight that every year. Uh, so this year, I decided, oh, let's not fight it. And so I'm really focused on my writing. Um, and putting out a lot of uh, new content, just, you know, marketing content, things like that, but also a few books that I'm working on and that type of thing. And lo and behold, I'm getting calls for, <laughs> for the business. So, <laughs> so, so new strategy. That, that is how it works. So, uh, but I but love that. Big, I'm happy to hear yeah, that. Yeah. So that's, uh, I, I kind of partly back in September thought that that's what might happen. I said, you know what? I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to go. This is my writing season. I usually do most of my, you know, heavy lifting writing in, uh, in the last quarter of the, the year. So let's just do it and go deep into that. So I've been doing a lot of writing, a lot of editing, uh, a lot of non, non-revenue generating uh, currently work that will generate revenue next year. So I am actually working on, I've got a, um, a, a little book coming back from the printer uh, this week, hopefully. Um, so that's a end of a project. And then I have two other books that I'm working on one more of a fiction a collection of a number of short stories that I have that I'd like to get that out this year. And then another one, it's a, it's a leadership book. Um, it was originally written by a joint chiefs of staff from 1920 that I am looking at and now that it's out for free domain and, and all that, I'm, I'm looking at it and rewriting it because there's so much in there that is valid and works and people That's are ignoring. Great. And so I, I get in my own sort of personal rant is that like the leadership industry is constantly coming up with a new leadership uh, approach or style or this type of style is in or that type of style is out. And they're really just repackaging uh, you know, a couple of different theories into, yeah. uh, into a different thing. And so this is, you know, advice from a hundred years ago. And I would say 80 to 90% of it, you know, is valid still. That's really cool. So I'm kind of translating the language cause it sounds like an old movie currently, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> but that's an uh, interesting project. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those are the, those are the projects. Most of my big projects are, are more on the writing because, and again, it's like within my control, it's tangible, it's my creativity, um, the discipline, all of that, and, and the deadlines that I want to put out, you know, client work is, is client work and, and, and ongoing. And so those are projects, but, but it's always, uh, my projects will always be writing based probably. Yeah. 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 How many hours do you spend a day writing? Um, Typically, I'm just curious, um, you know, on, tell me about your process. I, <laughs> it's, it's erratic. Uh, probably, well, on average, it'd be tough to say, but probably easily four hours a day on writing. Um, some days much more, few days less, but it's, it's almost always a 90 minutes a day writing, probably, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At, a, at, a, at a minimum. Um, so the process uh, is is very seldom the same twice, but uh, uh, over 
overwhelmingly though it's sort of uh i'll get the idea of something that so let's say a writing project if, if it's some idea even if it's a an article or a, a podcast that i'm going to put up or something like that i'm going to outline it what do i generally want to say i'll probably do a draft um sit on it like you have said earlier in the thing let it percolate a little bit um that might just be I'll write it and then go out for a walk or go have lunch or something like that. Or so it's usually just me walking away from it and letting it kind of <laughs> fester in my head. Yeah. And work it's magic. Um, but sometimes it's overnight and sometimes it's in a drawer for a week, you know, but it's like, let it, let it, uh, let it do its thing and then come back to it with fresh eyes. Uh, rewrite it again, rewrite it again, edit, look at some grammar, that kind of thing. Read it out loud. Um, depending upon the size of the piece, you know, who else do I involve? Um, do I have a bunch of beta readers for it or do I have a proofreader for it or like, Hey, you know, let's just give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so that, that'll depend. And then, um, but usually like my writing and my editing take place in two different places. Um, so like, uh, I can pretty much write anywhere. I'm not one of those people who needs the whole ceremony and it's got to have, you know, the hot cup of coffee or the whiskey or whatever beverage of choice and the lighting has to be just so and I need certain music and that type of thing you know I can I've written on the cups of you know uh, Starbucks coffee cups Uh, you know I've written in the parking lot on that if there's nothing been around you can use the phone so it doesn't really matter I can write in any number of places but I can almost never edit where I wrote so if I'm at my desk and I wrote something I usually have to print it out uh, and then take it somewhere else to edit it Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the, <laughs> the quirk that I have found is like wherever I created it, I cannot edit it. For that's interesting. Reason. Yeah. Now it can, I can do the reverse. Uh, you know, if I, if I write or meaning, you know, I can go back to the place and edit something else there. So if I'm yeah. sitting here writing something, I have to edit it somewhere else. But if I wrote it somewhere else, I can edit it here. Yeah. So maybe that's my, that's my, that's my whiskey right there. Yeah. Yeah. We all have it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, oh, I love hearing about process. I'm kind of a fool for it. So I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever received a piece of advice that stuck with you that you still apply to your life that you could share? Um, maybe a couple, not anything profound, but I, the, you know, the one that comes to mind all the time is measure, measure twice, cut once. Yeah. Uh, which, which, you know, I mean, it's cliche, but if you really think about that, I mean, it's not only for lumber and carpentry. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad shared that with me, but I've, I've been thinking about that one a lot lately and it kind of comes up out of nowhere where it's like, if you're thinking about um, editing, um, relationships, you know, uh, a, a mar- piece of marketing or something like that, you know, AB test something, you know, let's, let's test this. So it's just a way of saying like, hey, be sure and then take action, you know, but just yeah. take the action the once, like don't, don't, no, no going back and no, no like, half well, Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's been kind of a big one, um, you know, related, that's not really related to that other than from my dad, um, just sharing experiences has always been it's not really a quote, but an advice sort of like get both sides of the issue and the truth is somewhere in between. Um, and you know, I guess truth could be negotiable depending upon who you're, who you're talking to. Right. But when there's a a dispute or you, you see something, 
Um, and I'm thinking about more like with employees or something like that. And if there's two employees going at it for some reason, if you get both sides of the story, the, the reality is probably, probably somewhere between the two, right. not one versus the other. There's nuance to that, of course. But, but that really taught me a lot about, um, particularly if I'm feeling very dogmatic about something, it's like, well, other people probably think different. And so I should get their points of view, too just if anything, so I know it, so I can appeal to them better, or maybe I'm missing something. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the, the truth as best as we can know it is going to be between two sides of somebody's point of view or world of view or something like that. Yeah. And that, Tut- well, the one that I, the one that I share, sorry, I'm just going to keep talking. No, <laughs> keep going. Yeah. I want to hear. <laughs> uh, I, I think the quote is, is mine. The sentiment's not, but I think the quote is, which is lessons with laughter laugh last longer. Mm-hmm. So the, the whole idea being is that, and I got this mostly uh, with the kids, uh, but if I'm trying to teach somebody something or trying to learn something, if you can make it fun and, and laugh about it or tell a funny story or just make it very jovial, even if it's something that you've got to dis- create some discipline on, um, it's just the lesson's going to last. If people are laughing while they're learning it, they're going to remember it much yeah. better No, I like that. I think that's true. I think humor is so underrated in so many aspects from a communication standpoint, even Mm -hmm. like you can deliver a message with humor that'll get received much better than if you're maybe in earnest at some or, or stakes are high. So, right. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time today and, you know, sharing with us your experience and your thoughts about creativity, about entrepreneurship, about business. And I want to invite anyone who's listening, who's interested to visit you on your website. Could you give us the address of that? Sure. It's very easy to find. You just have to know how to spell my name. Let's so, hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it's Carl with a K, uh, Bimshaw, B-I-M-S-H-A-S. Um, and it actually, if you just Google that, all sorts of good stuff will come up because it depends whether you want to go look at my writing, which is a different website than, you know, working with me as a, as a consultant or a coach. Um, if you want real easy to remember thing, cause you can't write all this down, you could learn from carl.com. Okay. With a Carl with a K. With, with a K. It's always with a K. Always with a K. I'll include that information <laughs> in the show notes for people to reference as well. And two more things before we close is, do you have a song for the Workbench playlist that I could include in the resources? Something that kind of gets you going or inspires you? Yeah. So there's a fun one that I came across a few years ago, actually, and it's called uh, Making a Move by Lady Bree. Okay. Not familiar. It, well, no, probably nobody is. It's one of, it's like, uh, it's probably like music that they put behind a, a uh, YouTube video or something like that, but it's got a, it's got a little Lizzo vibe to it. It's, okay. it's definitely more like kind of women's empowerment and all that, but it's about like, Hey, even if you've got chip nails and you're not feeling like being up and all that too bad, you got plans, you know, get going. And cool. it's, it's a nice, nice little rev up uh, song. So I, I actually like move into that one. All right. I'll include that. And then do you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to share? Um, I would say, well, thanks for having me, you know, number one. And I think, you know, 
the whole premise behind workbench and all that I think is great. I think, you know, it's around continual improvement too, right? It's always, yeah. always, always looking for um, best practices and a better way and experiment and, and try. And it's like, it, it, don't worry about perfection necessarily. And, and it's pretty much not up for you to judge perfection anyway, you yeah. as creator. That's on, that's on other people. So learn, probably learn to let it go sooner than, than you feel comfortable doing and you'll probably be better off. I like it. Well, thanks again. Great to see you. And I will talk with you soon. Terrific. Thanks so much. All right. Take I care. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us today at The Workbench. We welcome your comments and would love to hear what you're in the process of building. Look us up at ChristinaAu.com, that's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-A-U.com, and if you enjoyed this episode, you can help us with our build by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. We aim to stir the pot and inspire you for the next big thing you want to build or create. We look forward to seeing you next time.